Folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace for just 50 euros, and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward Friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode four of a five-part series. And we're talking about business models in specialty coffee and if they're profitable. And we have David from David. <laughs> we were just talking about a David, which is why I said David. <laughs> no, we have Martin from Mayorga Coffee. Um, we are today going to talk about leadership. And I kind of just want to ask you the question and just let you talk because I'm fascinated about the way that you uh, have spoken to me off air about leadership, but what is leadership for you uh, in the way that you run your businesses and, and, and what's important about it? I think leadership is really twofold. Number one, a leader is somebody that people want to follow, right? Mm. So it's not about control. It's not about dominant. It's about, I need to be somebody that other people look at and say, I want to be like him. I want to do what he does, right? And it can really present itself in unhealthy ways too, right? You can be a leader who has 18,000, you know, 18 sports cars and a private jet. Right. People say, I want to. So then the, the secondary part is, I think a leader has to understand that they're there as a provider, whether it be of opportunity, of, you know, you have to then create something. You have to create something that will then be a vehicle for people then to feel that there's something beneficial to them for them to grow, for them to evolve. So you have to carve that path too and create those opportunities. And you're really the one out there. It's like, um, I remember when I was younger, I played this video game where, you know, it's one of these map games where you get the little civilization, you start mm -hmm. by, you know, chopping trees, whatever, and the map is black. But then you have the sentry, the guy on the horse that goes out. That's the leader. You go out into the darkness mm. and you put light in the darkness and you create the path and you create the opportunity, but you have to do it in a way where you then or somebody that people want to follow into that darkness, which maybe you've eliminated a little bit, but you can't fully illuminate that darkness until everybody's in, you know? And so there's risk-taking, there's, you know, being the one that is willing to fight the fights that need to be fought, is willing to say the things that maybe people don't want to hear, but need to hear. Um, but doing it so in a way that's human. And, and, and I think one of the things that we forget too is like, being a, a a human with emotions and you know in a Empathy. managed way where you're not gonna exactly i think you have to care about people um but yeah it's really it's 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 a comprehensive thing but it's basically somebody that people want to follow and somebody that's willing to go out there and and, and carve paths and, and put a little light into the, some dark areas that could be the next opportunity for the company and the individuals uh, i think that's critical what's the relationship between strength and vulnerability as a leader I think vulnerability is strength. I think um, mm. if you're, you know, I'm a, as a dad, I mean, there's a lot of parallels into, you know, being a business leader and being a parent. But um, if you think being the tough kind of like surface and there's, there's moments when that's necessary, right? You know, mm. I, I tell my son, look, you need to walk into a room and you almost need to be mysterious, right? If people can't figure you out. Like you don't want to go in there and be the overly emotional or overly, you know, kind of tough mm. acting. There's a balance. But I think vulnerability is critical because we're all vulnerable. And I think if we don't accept that reality that we all have fears, we all have insecurities, we all have 
and I think by being vulnerable, you also tap into the fact that you can connect with other people because everybody's vulnerable. And I think by showing others that it's okay and it's it's part of the human experience, um, you lose a lot of opportunity to connect with people and to really connect in a way with that once you find that connection, you can then kind of go out and battle together, right? And, and mm. do what needs to be done together. Um, you know, we do company retreats every year. Last year we had in Guatemala. And part of that is those conversations like, you know, how do you define what your success is? How do you understanding people and what makes them tick because we're all a product of our history and our childhood and our but now we're all sitting here saying hey we're all going to go out and do this well let's 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 align that right let me understand you what motivates you what um you know maybe isn't productive for you i think that's that's at the end of the day we're in a very interesting human experiment that uh if we don't participate in then we're kidding ourselves you know and i think um I live in a very nice generation where I, I'm seeing more humanity and leadership. Mm. Um, recently, I've seen it run away a little bit with this whole like glamorizing entrepreneurship as a premise rather than a reality. And, you know, people think it's all about private jets and, yeah. and hustle really culture. Matter. Yeah. But I think being human and being understanding, um, but also, like I said, being somebody who people want to follow. I wake up at 4.30 in the morning. I exercise every day. I eat right. I make mistakes and then I try to rectify them. I mm. do stupid things or say the wrong thing to somebody. I go back and apologize. Um, I'm willing to listen to different opinions. So it's, it's, it's a malleable reality, right? You have to be strong and, and focus on the, the forward and the vision, but you also have to be able to stop and say, okay, let me, uh, I'm not always right. You know, and that's part of what I tell my team all the time is like, look, feel free to express any disagreement because I'm just figuring it out on the fly. So maybe you're seeing something I don't. Just like I tell my son, look, just because I tell you something or I, you know, even if I ground you, you feel free to express how that makes you feel if you think I'm wrong. Doesn't mean I'll change my mind, but I'm willing to listen because mm -hmm. guess what? I have been wrong a few times in my life. So I think that's important. What's your approach to mistakes as a leader? Not just your great. mistakes, not just, let me, let me clarify the question. Not just your mistakes, but yes, your mistakes and other people's mm -hmm. mistakes. Look, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying, right? And I Word. think for me, effort and 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 execution and impact and it, it, you you're not going to go out in the world and change anything or, or or grow something of value or do something meaningful without tripping up here and there. Mm. So for me, it's a red flag when somebody's just coasting and smooth and everything they're doing is perfect. You're going to make mistakes, and you should make mistakes. The more important thing is how you react to that mistake. Mm. Are you learning from it? Are you improving? Are you evolving? Are you rectifying? Are you apologizing? Or it's that reaction to the mistake that's more critical than anything. And frankly, I think mistakes are a necessary and actually beautiful opportunity for people to grow, which is another element that I fully believe in, which is growth. If we, if you're not focused on growing individually, then it's a problem for a company because companies have to grow. You know, the old saying, grow or die. I mean, that's that's the reality of a business. You have to grow. And it's not just financial growth. Sometimes you have to grow in strategy and marketing and, you know, open-mindedness of thinking of, you know, maybe I thought this was going to be the way the business goes, but it's really going to go this way and I need to grow and evolve into it. I think growth is, and I'm pretty obsessed with growth. And, um, you know, even my son asked me, he's like, at your age, why do you still, you know, because my son's Easy with the, your like, age things. <laughs> really well, seriously. my son's 17. At 17, okay. what did you think of a 50-year-old, <laughs> right? But I'm just giving you perspective of, 
growth is a never ending yeah. pursuit. Hundred percent at all ages. And I told my son, look, when I'm eighty five, I'm gonna look to grow and evolve. Yeah, continuously. This is all the first thing I told them. I've never been the CEO of a company this size. I've never lead, led a team this big. I've never dealt with a level of clients. This is all new to me. Every day I wake yeah. up, it's like, okay. Because you're I growing. Figure this out today. Exactly. Because the business is growing. It's getting bigger. It's getting, and the, the ecosystem outside of the business has an influence on the way that the business is going to respond. And that means that you have to continue to grow and adapt to that as well. Exactly. And I think part of that leadership is important to then be one of the things I think the only hobby I have is I love fishing and I love okay. um, actually like running a boat and like being the captain. And, and there's okay. a lot of parallel to it because, you know, if you're even, a, a, you know, flying an airplane or if you're sinking or there's a problem, you're not going to get on the intercom. And be like, Oh, my God. And you, you have to maintain your cool. You have to say, OK, yep. let me assess. Let me figure this out Let me make sure everybody's comfortable and safe. And it's a it's a pretty good parallel to being you know a, a leader in a business where good or bad or you know major or minor issues you you still have to be who you are and show that like people literally look at you. I'm a nervous flyer. I fly all the time, but I'm a nervous flyer. When turbulence gets bad, what do I do? I look at the flight attendants. If they look nervous, I get really nervous. Mm -hmm. But and so for me, that's what that's what business is. That's what parenting is. That's what leadership is. Mm -hmm. People look at you, and they're going to look at you with a more of a microscope when things are hard. And if you don't have your shit together emotionally, mentally, physically, and have your, you're going to fall apart too. And that's not very good leadership. Not at all. Tell me what role empathy plays in all of that. I think it's completely necessary if you want to lead people to be their best. I have a philosophy and I've always had it where if people can't be their whole self in your business, you're not going to get the best out of them. Uh, and they're not going to bring the best into your business and they're not going to feel the best, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'll never forget, uh, I had an incident years ago where I found out that an uh, employee came to uh, a, a manager, and this is like 10 years ago, and asked if they're okay with them getting a, a, a tattoo sleeve. And this is a roaster who worked. And the manager said, no, I wouldn't be because it's unprofessional. Wow. And when I found out about it, I called that person in and I said, listen, People have to be, and I believe this in my life, whatever you choose, whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel whole and satisfied and cared about, whatever it is, do it. I want you to do it. So if someone came, to, and I, we ended up terminating this person because they didn't get that, right? And it's such mm -hmm. an important thing to me where it's like, I want you to be the best version of yourself that you want. Not what I want, not what I believe in, not what society wants, not what investors want. That's why for me, you know, I own the company 100%. I don't, I'm not beholding to anybody. So for me, it's it's more about, is this person great uh, for this role? And then everything else is like, whatever they want to do, whoever they want to be, not only do I support it, like, how can I help? You know, right. I think that's that's a huge reality for me that, um, you know, I want the best version of you and you want to be the best version of you. And if I can facilitate that, that's that's what we need to do, right? Because nobody mm -hmm. can come to a, a workplace or build a, something of meaning and feel like there's part of them that needs to hide or part of them that is judged or part of them that isn't respected. Mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, so that empathy is critical. And for me, the empathy, and I got to be honest, maybe it's a bit, um, I don't know, maybe it holds me back a little bit, but my empathy for 
the people who have been given false hope or the people who have been taken advantage of generationally, fuck that, that that's mm-hmm. an empathy that, that hits, you know, because I feel, I think I feel a lot of guilt because I grew up in these countries and then I was given this massive privilege of coming mm-hmm. to the U S that alone to me, it's like, fuck, I'm privileged. Mm-hmm. I saw, and I tell people by some act of fate, I was born here and there's a kid who was born here who has to wake up every day, collect wood, walk it into the Capitol to get a dollar fifty to go help feed his family. I did nothing to earn the place where I was born. And I wasn't born into wealth. I mean, my parents didn't really, they never owned a home. They, you know, mm. but the wealth of coming to the US, being educated in the US, having the opportunities that the US gave me is such a privilege that to then see others who just have no shot, who have no hope of like really aspiring to even something as basic as having opportunities that that one actually it it's it's a very and I think a lot of it comes to I, I do feel guilt about like mm. well I left there and I have all these opportunities. I've been blessed to build a substantial business that provides for my family, for a lot of people. Um and that's what I wrestle with a lot because, mm. you know, and it goes into something very interesting on like, you know, the conversation of like, well, just pay farmers more. There's nobody in this industry that has wanted to believe that more than any more than myself. Mm. But I also realized like I'm in a very competitive space. And if I just pay more, that means I'm going to have to charge more. And once I do, I'll lose my customers, right? So there's mm-hmm. this balance of like, fuck, I got to have to run a business that's smart. And I have to help people, but I can only do it to the capacity that the market will allow. And there's a, a lot of struggle there. So, um, mm. but yeah, long story short, I think empathy is critical. You know, uh, the the tagline of Mapper Forward and the way that we do business is con- it's uh, conspiring to each other's success. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are people, too many people in the industry who are just out for themselves. If we can embrace this idea of conspiring to each other's success and not cut down people in the process who are trying to do great shit, then I think that we can perhaps turn some things around in this industry. The the question that I want to end this episode on is um, more about you as a leader and the impact that the fact that you have this deep desire to conspire to other people's success while also being very successful yourself, do you find being the person that you are and the way that you talk, do you find that it intimidates a lot of people and how do you deal with that as a leader? It's tricky because I, I'm, I'm kind of this um... – I don't really have an identity in that world of business. And like, there's a lot of people that I am around who are very like, make money, make money, make money. And they, they're very good at it. I can't mm-hmm. relate to those people. Mm-hmm. But then I'm in an industry where it's like, let's help people. Let's make an impact. A lot of it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so I think in my industry, because I've been successful, I actually think that I'm perceived as, oh, he must, they must not do quality or they're just right. this big company. Um, you know, people don't realize I've scaled the business because I've focused on quality, mm-hmm. not in despite of quality. You know, I built a model that creates quality uh, in a sustainable fashion. But I do think that, you know, and I, I refer a lot to conversations with my son because these are the, the moments that when I realize these things, I try to teach him. There are parts of people who we see be successful that we look up to. But then when we go into layer two and three, we see parts that we don't want to accept in ourselves. So... Mm. I've seen it, and I saw it very early on when I started the cigar business, um, and I aligned with this guy, Lou Rothman, who owned JR Cigars, who became a 
almost billion dollar cigar business. And I heard terrible stories about the guy. When he and I worked together, he literally said to me, he's like, how many people have told you you're doing business with the devil? I said, everybody. And he said, you know, and this was such a great mentor to me. He said, listen, when you achieve what I've achieved, people don't like to see that you're a normal person because it, it, it then tells them that they could do it. So mm -hmm. they'll say things like, well, he's only successful because he screws people over. He's only successful because of this, because of that. They're not willing to say he's successful because he wakes up at four in the morning, because he is willing to work an 18-hour day when needed, because he's willing to not take a paycheck for three months because his staff needs to be paid. They don't talk about those things. We've all been there. So I, do th I think the people who know me realize that, look, Martin's been successful, and I have no shame in that. And I think the movement nowadays to be ashamed of success is idiotic mm -hmm. because my success allows opportunity for others and my success um is a function of 25 years of hard work i don't really know i know the industry doesn't really respect me and want to put me on a pedestal and i'm not looking for a pedestal i think i say a lot of things that make people uncomfortable and i think i, re I represent things that make people comfortable right i'm a hard charging person i work hard i'm very honest with people you know i i tell my friends you know i care about you when i say the things to you that you don't want to hear because that's how we all have to grow. That's how we all have to evolve. Mm. You know, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, my love handles are getting big. I got to stop. <laughs> that's the reality we have to face, <laughs> you know, and, you know, one of the greatest books I read, or at least quotes was, uh, I think it was a book, 1776. And it talks about George Washington and it talks about mm -hmm. the reason he was a great leader and a great general was not because he won. He actually lost a lot of battles and retreated a lot. But what made him be successful in the long term was he had the ability to see the reality of the situation. Right. So if he was in a battle, and he said, I'm losing all these men. If I keep pushing forward, I'm going to lose all my men. We're all going to get killed. He had no problem retreating and saying, OK, the reality was we were losing. Let me assess why we were losing and then go back to it. And I think that's kind of the reality of, of, of growth and success, which is you can deal within, you know, the real world and you can have real world conversations and the problem is it's not very popular you know when you can tell people look you're not profitable are you running a business or are you running a hobby how long will this last mm -hmm. here's how you get profitable and it's not going to be by waking up at 10 in the morning and going to brunch so if you want this this is what it takes and frankly to me that's a place of love that says that to people yeah and my staff will tell you respectfully and with love, I will say things to you that you need to hear because I want you to be better. And I see things in you that you may not see in yourself. And I want you to see those things in yourself, but I want you to push yourself to get there. So, you know, frankly, I don't know how I'm received in the industry. I don't care. And I don't want to be recognized by the industry. You know, I'll be honest with you. I just started doing podcasts with industry people. I think you're my second or third. Mm -hmm. Um, because at this point in my career, I just think people need to hear reality of the industry and of the trade. And we need to talk about and call out the bullshit of people who buy coffee from wealthy farmers, but then use the poor farmers, you know, struggles as marketing. Mm. We need to talk about the fact that in 25 years that I've been in the industry, poor farmers are poor and new farmers have emerged that are based on foreign investments that are from wealthy families. And they've actually overstepped the poor farmers, but everybody's talking about the poor farmers and they're getting crumbs. So, you know, I don't even know what the question was, but that was- You uh, answered it perfectly. Our final episode, folks, is on sustainable profitability in specialty coffee. 
I'm sure, Martin, you have no opinions about this and no wisdom no. about none at all, right? So join us for the last episode, folks. Unfortunately, this series is going to end. Peace, love and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.